message tonight, how to make wise decisions. A lot of people make a lot of foolish decisions in life. And I believe that if you will take these notes here and apply them to your life when it comes to decisions that you make, it will just be a good guide and a help to you in decisions that you make. That's something that happens each and every day, decisions. Some decisions are easier than others. Like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Or what did you already have for dinner tonight? Some decisions are bigger. What am, where am I going to work? That's a big decision, right? You know, decision a few little bit ago, do I go to church or do I stay home? That was a decision to make. Do I eat chips during the service or do I wait till after, Joe? That's... That's a good question right there. When you're, there's just something about licking your fingers during church. Make sure no one shakes his hand back there. We'll leave that one alone right there. But the book of Proverbs is a great book full of wisdom. And uh, I've been reading the book of Proverbs almost every day. I'm sure there's been a few times through the years. In first grade, I learned in Christian school that there's 31 days. There's 31 days in most months. There's 31 Proverbs, so do your best to read Proverbs every month. And so, and throughout the year. So you can read through the book of Proverbs almost 12 times every year. So you take 30 years, and you do that times 12. It's like 360 times, somewhere around there. It's a lot of times. And there's still a lot that I got to get. I need a lot more wisdom out of this book. But the principles tonight I want to give you are from the book of Proverbs and just some things to help us to make wise decisions. Young people in the room, some of you might look right now and be thinking, well, you know, the biggest decision I had to decide today was do I play Fortnite or do I play Madden? That's a big, that's a big decision in life, I know. But there's going to come a day where you have to make life decisions. You know, Andrew and Isaiah... You're my two seniors. You guys are seniors in a couple weeks. You know, before long, you got some major life decisions that are coming up. How do you make wise decisions? And this world would have a great explanation for you on how to make wise decisions, and this world's answers are wrong. And so I want to help you tonight, and this, this will sh hopefully be a help to you in lots of different areas tonight. But as we go through here, I just want to try and because people come to me often, Pastor, how do I know I'm making a good decision? And it's funny they ask me that because this is the whole thing. Am I God? No. Sometimes I might have some helpful input, but there's things you need to do when you're making decisions. And I'm giving you a list of ten things tonight to be a help. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to lay the foundation in the message with these ten points and then I'm going to give you practically Proverbs, ver, Proverbs 3, verse 5, and 6 and lay it all together with that to finish tonight. So as we dive in tonight, number one, talking about ten questions to help make wise decisions. The first one is this, what does the Bible say? This is a great place to start. And you might say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this one. And it might not. But I think we call ourselves Bible-believing Christians, right? I would say for my life that the Bible is the soul of my life. It's number one. It gets first place over everything else. So if that's true, and as I'm making decisions in my life, 
it needs to begin with what does the Bible say? And it comes down to this. I'll have people ask me often, how do you know, how do you know you're in the will of God? How do you know this is what God wants you to be doing? I'll tell you this as we go through this tonight. You will never know the will of God if you're not in the word of God. That's where it all begins. And I know there are people out there that said, God told me directly to do this. And some people might say that. That's a bold claim right there. Because God's given to us his written word right here. And God speaks today through his word. That's how he speaks. You know, back in the Bible days, back with Moses, yeah, God spoke audibly to him. And God gave Moses direct instructions. God's not, when's the last time God spoke audibly to anyone in this room? Himself to you. There are people all around the world that say he has. I cannot find that biblically. That's not scriptural. The last time it happened was John on the island of Patmos. And the word of God was complete, so God didn't need to give partial revelation to people or prophecy because prophecies at some point are going to fail. Why? Because when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. The thing that is perfect is the book. It's got everything in it. It's got what we need today. And so you got to understand something. When we look at decisions in life, the first thing to do when faced with a decision is to ask what commands or what does the Bible say I shouldn't be doing and apply that to your decision. You know, you could, you could just think on different things. So, you know, you have a decision to make. Do I buy a new car or not? What does the Bible say? Well, there's some principles you can find in the Bible and good principles to follow. But you're not going to find an absolute answer right there. You know, should you buy used or new? But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So we talk about things like that. You could look at other things. Do I go to the bar with my friends tonight or not? Lord, what should I do? I think the Bible gives you some clear answers on that one. And I think I would just stick with what the Bible says. So when you're asked, when, you're, when you have questions or when you're ha making a decision in your life, you've got to understand something. It needs to begin with what does the Bible say? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, verse number 13, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. What perimeters, promises, or principles has God set forth in his word? Most of the, of the situations we face have been dealt with in the word of God. A lot of the things that we ask, you can find, the Bible can help you find answers for. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 5, every word of God is pure. And he's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. God has, and you say, well, pastor, I want to know what is God's will for me in my life? Are you ready? I'm going to help you out with that tonight. Do you know what God's will is for you? To look in the word of God and see what God wants you to be doing now and do those things. Oh, pastor, I want to know God's ultimate will for my life. Don't worry about that. Worry about living today, doing what he's already told us to do. I think that's a great way to live. And do you know the Bible tells us over and over again, there are things that is the will of God for us today. And I put several of them here. What's God's will for me today? Number one, here's a good one. Practice justice, be kind, and walk humbly. Micah 6.80 has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with thy God. You want a, a good place to start? That's a great place to start. That's a great thing to do. That's God's will for us today. Thing number two, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That comes from the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse number two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there's another one right there. You say, well, what, what should I be doing today? You should be practicing justice, being kind, loving mercy. I think that's good. I think you should be working on not just conforming, but being transformed. Here's a good one. Young people, here's a good one for you to listen to. Don't marry a spiritually mismatched mate. That's, a, that's God's will. We don't talk about that much. And young people, let me just put a little plug there before you give your little heart away to somebody. I'd make sure that they know the Lord. Is he cute? Is she pretty? That will all fade away at some point. In all honesty, do they follow the Lord? Do they love God? You're not looking for someone that's perfect because you're not going to find the perfect person, but this is, this, is, this is God's will. Young people in the room, get this into your head. This is God's will for you. There are many homes, marriages, families that have been hurt because they didn't follow this bit of advice from God's word. So where does it say it in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 14, And be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And I know a lot of people say, well, I'm going to win them to God. And, you know, sometimes that happens. It does. But it doesn't always happen. And, you know, those of you in the room that are married, do you think you're going to maybe change your spouse a little bit? I know Caroline thought, I'm going to marry Brian, and I'm going to make him more organized and help him out. And going on 15 years in just a couple of weeks, she's realized, nope, the, that organi organizational skills are not changing. He's pretty much set where he's at. And uh, that's why God gave me you. You complete me, and you're the organization that I needed in my life. And so, but God's will. How about some other things? Here's a good one. Number four, walk wisely and use your time well. That's the Bible says it. Walk wisely and use your time well. So where does it say anything about that? Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the Lord's will to do these things? And I could have added another one right here. I believe God's will goes into verse number 18 where it talks about to be filled with the Spirit. There's lots of things that we could say, and when we look at these things, but walk wisely and use your time well. Here's another one. Here's a good one. Be set apart and abstain from immorality. That's God's will for us today. Hey, young people, stay away from immorality. Stay away from fornication. There are some things reserved for marriage, and married couples, let's stay away from adultery. And we could go, there's lots of things we could say there, but let's just look and see what the Bible has to say. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. Wow, that's, could it be any more straightforward? Even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. I don't think that's any more clear right there. This is God's will. Young people, take heed to that. 
Next, number six, be thankful in all that happens. Pastor, I just want to know God's will. Here it is. This is what you need to be doing. Be thankful in all that happens. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. Look at what the verse says. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You're like, well, pastor, this was for the church in Thessalonica. That was God's will for them. This is God's will for all Christians right here. In everything give thanks. Pastor, I just want I just want to know what God wants me to do with my life. Just start doing what the Bible already tells you to do. That's where you always begin. Next, let's look at the next one. And here's a good one. Give what God's given to you. It's a good principle, right? A good thing to live by. So what does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I think that's a great principle right there. Here's another one. You want to know God's will for you today? Do good even when bad is done to you. There's a tough one for us to live by. But this is what God wants for our lives. Do good even when bad is done to you. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Peter 2 verse 15, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Do good when you're not treated good. That's God's will. You ready for another one? Delight to do the will of God. There's a good one. Bible tells us, 1 Peter 4, verse number 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Just do God's will. Delight in it. And then are you ready for another one? We all should understand this one. Repent and receive Christ. That's God's will for everyone. Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will and desire for everyone in this world. So we say, well, what's God's will for me today? Why don't you take some of these things and work on those things? Work on what he's already told you in his word. That's a great place to start. And as I mentioned to you before, you've got to understand, too, I hear people often, I've had people come to me in my office and be like, Pastor, God told me to do this. Be careful when you say those words. I just want to show you a couple verses from the Bible. Just be careful when you make that claim. Because the Bible tells us in Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19, For I testify, testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So the next verse. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Be careful to add or take away from what God says. And let me just help you out as well. It does not say that you're taken out of the book of life. It says your part is taken out. So all your good works and everything else, they're wiped out. You're always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. 
your part is taken out. So just make sure you read that in its entirety right there. And so be careful with that. And uh, I hear people, you got to understand, God doesn't give us new revelation. He's given us all the revelation we need right here. And don't forget that. And so number one tonight, ten questions to help make wise decisions. Number one was, what does the Bible say? Number two, have I bathed it in prayer? It's a great question. Have I bathed it in prayer? Far too many Christians, some sitting in this room, some online, your pastor's done it at times too, we all do it. We, you got to understand, prayer is important. Bible tells us in Proverbs 19 and verse number 2, also that the soul be without knowledge, it isn't good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. And sometimes we rush to a decision and we don't stop and take the time to really think it through and to pray about it. That's an important thing to do. In our culture today, we want immediate answers and we want things figured out right now. I want an answer to my question now. I'll get calls sometimes. Pastor, it's an emergency. I have to speak to you now. It's not that important. There are emergencies that do come up. But a lot of times we rush to a decision when we should be taking our time. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 21, verse number 5, the thoughts of the righteous tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. Don't rush to a decision. Bathe that decision in prayer. Let me give you a great principle to live by. And you might want to add this in your notes, or I didn't give it to you to, and put in there, but this would be a great way to, when possible, don't make any major decision without at least taking a day or longer to pray about it. Let me help you out. Some, just some thoughts here. A thing that I do, I have, and I am not an expert on a lot of things, and I'm not an expert in this area either, but something my dad taught me. Uh, there's been several times we bought cars. I don't ever buy it the first day. I take time to think on it and pray on it. Say, but the deal will be gone. There will be a different deal the next day. There will always be something. Take time to pray on it. But if I don't make a decision now, what? no, just take time to pray. Pray on things. Take time to pray. Most of the bad decisions that I've made in life is because I didn't take enough time to lay it out and to pray enough about it before the decision was made. So how can I make wise decisions? Number one, what does the Bible say? That's the first question you need to ask. Number two, have I bathed it in prayer? And I love, I'm just going to read this to you real quick and then we'll go on to number three. But Aaron Rock, he gave, he did, he gave this little correlation of things that says sometimes prayer can be an excuse for indecision, lack of obedience to God's revealed word, or a substitute for courage. When you pray, pray for his power and pray to demonstrate your dependence upon him. But don't ask him to do what you're supposed to do already. Pray and obey. Pray and do not delay to do what he's commissioned you to do. He said, I do not pray that God would bless my marriage if I fail to love and lead my wife. I don't pray for my kids to follow Jesus 
if I'm not a good example to my children. And then I don't pray for God to provide finances for our church if I don't give. And that's, uh, that's pretty powerful, some thoughts right there. But this principle here, major decisions. Have you bathed it in prayer? Pastor, I don't have time to do that. Then I wouldn't make the decision. The Lord has wisdom, and he will guide you. Ways acknowledge, oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. He will direct your path. He will help you and guide you. If you want to rush and do your own thing, you can go do your own thing. But I would, I would encourage you when it comes to major decisions and decisions that you make, begin, number one, by what does the Bible say? Number two, have I bathed it in prayer? Number three, do I have all the facts? When faced with a decision, it's good to gather all the information that you can. The Bible tells us, Proverbs 18, verse number 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and shame unto him. Verse 17 of that same chapter tells us, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. I found it very helpful in my own life. Major decisions that I'm going to be making, I think... Ryan, I've done this with you a few times with some things we were talking about. We, I make a list, the pros and cons, and you just lay them out. Make sure, and you, that's a great question to ask, do I have all the facts? I hear a lot of people, and I, a, a friend of mine, let's see how I want to word this. Oh, you've got to be careful how you word things. When, when you're on the Internet and things, and people could listen that might not have been to church in a while, you got to be careful how you word things so no one thinks you're talking about them. And now people are thinking, who are you talking about right now? I've got word in the way so you don't know. Then it's not gossip, right? Then it's okay. Family that used to come to our church moved out of state somewhere. And their number one goal in that was to, their housing was so much cheaper where they were going to go. It didn't end up being much cheaper. And do you know that family has yet to find a church in all this time? It's been about a year and a half. Two years, five years, ten years, somewhere in there. So how long has it been? Somewhere in that time. But before, and you say, well, is it God's will for me to, and it could be. But I'd weigh out the pros and cons, and I'd tell you this, unless I knew of a good church to go to, I wouldn't move to a city without a good church. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's where I would always begin. Say, so, well, I would go search housing prices. I would go search a church. I'd travel and go look at churches and find a good church. That's where I'd begin with that. You know, pros and cons. Christian school. Is the Christian school a good move or not for my family? Well, weigh it out. What are the pros? What are the cons? Lay out those things. Do you have all the facts? It's, it's a great question to ask. And it's really helped me in decisions that I'm making to weigh the things and to lay them out. My pastor actually taught me that one. Number four, what are my motives? When I have a decision to make, it always begins with what does the Bible say? Have I bathed it in prayer? As we just mentioned, three, do I have all the facts? Then number four, what are my motives? 
The Bible makes it clear in the book of Proverbs that we need to monitor our motives. Proverbs 16, verse number 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. You can justify anything, and anything can look good, right? What's the motive behind it? Now, this is the question when you think about this. What are my motives? This is just to stop. Let's say you've got a major decision. This is just to stop for a minute and make sure everything is lining up. Ever drive in a car, and you're driving in your car, and you get over to get, you put on your turn signal and get over in the lane, and there was someone in your blind spot, and you almost hit them? This is one of those questions, what are my motives, to make sure there's nothing I'm missing in myself. Why do I want to do this? Why do I want this? Or what's, the, what's this going to benefit me? What's, what's going to happen? And this, the Bible makes it clear. You've got to understand. And you've got to look at these decisions. You know, maybe some, something you want in life, maybe there's some sin in your life that's making you want something you shouldn't want. Maybe there's not. But maybe there is. And you need to just take a step back and check your motives for this thing. And the Bible makes it clear. The Bible tells in Proverbs 3, verse number 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What's your motive? Does this help Jesus be first in my life? Or is this going to make me take a step back on the Lord? That's an important thing to look at. And important for our family. So some questions to ask when it comes to decisions. What does the Bible say? Am I bathing it in prayer? Do I have all the facts? What are my motives? In Proverbs 16, 25, this is a great verse. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now sometimes when it sounds too good or feels too good to be true, sometimes it leads you right into the ditch. And you've got to be careful and check your motives. And, it, and that's where I think it's so important that you, and this is my prayer, when things come up, decisions I've got to make in my life, my prayer to God is this. God, if this is what you want for me and for my family, open the door wide so I can see it. And if it's not what you want, shut that door. That's always my prayer. And I don't, I'll give another example, something that I thought is really good. Charles Stanley talks about making decisions. One of the things that he said about it was not to be too high or too low to remain neutral. That way, when, the, when you're making the decision, you're not too high about this, too low. Let God help guide you and watch your motives in it. I think that's a great thing. Remain neutral. If God works it out and God wants you to do it, hey, go for it. But if God doesn't, praise God that I'm not doing what he doesn't want me to do. Remain neutral in the middle there. That's a great way to look at it. Number five, number five, we've got to keep on going. So what was number one? What does the... That was like three of us. All right, let's do that again. Number one, what does, what does the, okay, that was half of us. That's better. All right, number two, am I bathing it in prayer? Number three, do I have all the, number four, what are my motives? Number five, what do wise people think? When seeking God's will, when making a decision, it's wise to seek out the wisdom of the wise. And I remember, I remember as a kid, and I'm not putting this down, and I'm not trying to cast a lot of doubt on this, but man, I was always told growing up that I should, go, I should go to my pastor for everything, every question I have on everything. Let me help you out for a second. I don't think you need to go to your pastor to ask him questions about everything. 
There are things that I have no clue about. Why are you going to ask my opinion on something? There might be some other things I could help you out with. You know, you got a car problem, I might be able to help you out a little bit right there. You come to me about an, an electrical problem at your house, I'm probably not going to be able to help you. I'll give you some wisdom. John Decker, sing on the front row. You got electrical issues, talk to him. Hey, you got air conditioning issues? I just know how to flip the switch on. And half the time it doesn't work. There's a guy sitting in the back, he knows a little bit more about that. You know, at school, if there's math questions, the kids come to me with math questions. They don't come to me with English questions. They go right back there. Or right there, wherever the case may be. But it's, I think it's important, what do wise people think? Have some people in your life that are wise and have them help you. Ask them, bounce it off of them. I tell you, before any major decision I ever make, I tell you every single time, I call my dad. I talk to my dad every single time. Caroline probably gets tired of it. I always call my dad because I've seen him and how he's done it, and I like that. I like the way there's pastors. There are some pastors that have been in ministry a lot longer than me, and they are wiser when it comes to being a pastor than I am. So I will go to, s I don't go to a lot of my peers. If someone's pastoring the same amount of time as me, they don't have a lot of wisdom to help me because they're probably on the same boat I am. I need someone who's been there a little bit longer. But what do wise people think? In the Bible, there are at least 13 times in the book of Proverbs that talk about wise counsel. Young people in the room, you need advice in life. Don't go to your friends. God gave you a mom and a dad. What a great place to start. Go to your mom and dad. That's where you need to begin. After you go to your mom and dad, I think it's great to go to your pastor. I think it's a great thing. Go to mom and dad first. They're the first authority God's put in, put in your life. Find wise people. Let's give you a few verses from the book of Proverbs on this point of what do wise people think. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 12, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 18, 1, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. And here's a good one for the younger kids in the room. Proverbs 19, 20, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. You want to grow up to be a wise person? Hear counsel as a young person and receive instruction as a young person. They'll help you become wise. But there's something that's in most teenagers. It was in me as a teenager. I thought I knew everything. And most of you in the room, you know you thought the same thing. And I'm 36 now. I'm like, I feel like I know less. To I've pastored almost 11 years now. I feel like today I know less about pastoring than I did day one when I started. Day one I thought I had it figured out. And today I realize I got nothing figured out. I think the older you get, you realize how little you really know on a lot of these things. But hear counsel, receive instruction. It's important. What do wise people think? All right. So number one, review. Repetition is the key to learning, right? Number one, what does the Bible? Oh, I said it for you. What does the Bible say? Have I bathed it in? Number three, do I have all the? What are my? What do? wise people think number six how is my past affecting me 
be careful about falling into past patterns or allowing not good habits in your life. The Bible, this verse is pure, plain, and simple. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. A fool is someone who keeps going back and doing the same dumb thing over and over and over and over again. We, we all have pasts, and we all make dumb mistakes in our past. We all do. No one makes all great decisions. But we're supposed to take the things from the past and learn from them so that we don't make those same mistakes. That's what a wise person does. A foolish person doesn't learn any better and keeps repeating the same things over and over and over and over again. So when we think about that, and as you, you know, what are some things? I look at pastoring these years, and just a couple days ago, sometimes before the screens come up, there'll be a picture of our church, I think it was four years ago. And man, I see lots of adults that aren't here still. And I see some that drugs have gotten a hold of. I see some families that still aren't. There's lots of things. But a lot of times there's, some, there's things that trigger us that we need to be aware of and not return to those things in our lives. And it's a great question to ask, how is my past affecting me today in this decision? We often hear this phrase, just follow your heart. And it makes for a wonderful Disney movie. But it makes for a terrible life. As the Bible makes it clear in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? You've got to understand and uh, I've heard this statement before, and I bet you've heard it before, too. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. The Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: a prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. You could add the fools in there. They go back and do it again. Where to add that to the verse. Got to be careful about, and as we think about this thing, uh, as we think about this point, how's my past affecting me and my decision making right here? Number seven. Are we getting anything tonight? All right, number seven, here we go. Will this affect my integrity or jeopardize my witness? Man, I think there are many pastors that I know friends of mine, people I looked up to, that if they would have really thought on this one right here before they did something stupid in their ministry, will this affect my integrity or jeopardize my witness? When faced with a decision, consider if it's going to compromise your integrity or this one, consider others to think less of Jesus. We don't want that. I want people to think more of Jesus. 
Remember I said it was David, I think, that given the enemy a chance to blaspheme God? Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 10, verse number 9, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his way shall be known. Proverbs 20, verse number 7, A just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Proverbs 22, verse number 1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Ask yourself before you do something, Will this affect my integrity or jeopardize my witness? Will this cause others to think less of Christ? And I would say if it does, don't do it. Number eight, how will this decision enable me to revere or draw near to God? Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Psalm 25, 12 tells us, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. And God's will and desire for all of us is to draw close to him and to, let's see how I want to word this here, and to make, God's will for us is for us to draw close to him and for us to make him known in the world around us. That's his desire. And so whatever we do, and I think of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatever ye do, do all to the glory of God. I've heard many people use that verse when they go to a buffet and they got that plate overflowing. I'm going to eat it to the glory of God. I don't think that's quite what the, what the passage is talking about here. But sometimes we as Christians get this idea, well, God wants me happy and all and wealthy and healthy. No, God wants us to bring him glory for his workmanship. And uh, Proverbs 6.23, the end of that verse makes it pretty clear that the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And there are times that we have tough times and times where he's got to straighten us up to help us in the way that we need to go. Which leads to number nine. What next step does God want me to take? What next step? Do you know God doesn't reveal in your life what he wants you to do next week, next year, ten years from now? The f- so I just read to you Proverbs 6.23, the end of the verse, and reproves on the structure of the way of life. But the beginning of the verse says this, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. This is not like lighting up the whole room for you to go. This is picturing having, being in a dark place and having a little lamp and you can barely see in front of you. God doesn't give you all the details and lay everything out. It'd be nice. The Bible says the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith. He doesn't just step back and say, hey, Brian, this is your whole life. It'd be nice, but that's not how it works. But what's God's next step for me? And then number 10. Number 10. Have I surrendered to God's sovereignty? I heard someone say this, that um, it's been said that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. 
God has his plans. God is doing a work in each and every one of us. And in the middle of life and things that come our way, you don't always know or understand why things are the way that they are. But you've got to come to the point in your life where you say, Lord, I trust you. Proverbs 16, 9 lets us know, the Bible tells us, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. In about Proverbs 21, 1, the king's heart's in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God is in control, and God is sovereign. And just a little plug right there, in case you didn't realize, there is a recall election coming up soon. And I think it would be wise for Christians, after a lot of things we've seen over the past several months and things, to vote in the upcoming real, uh, recall. Say, how do you vote and who? You figure that out. That's not my job to figure out for you, but I would vote in it. That might just be the, you know, yeah, we'll leave that there. I won't go any further there. As we close tonight, I want you to, and I know we're, you're like, Pastor, we only got four minutes. I know, we're good. Two verses that we know very well, most Christians know them. But when it comes to decision making and comes to things in life, this is what the Lord wants from us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I'm going to read you these verses. I'm going to break them down real quick for you, and we're going to go home. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. When it comes to the decisions that we make in life, I want you to understand just a couple quick things. We have two responsibilities, and then God's got his promise for us. Number one, we see that we are to lean on the Lord. The word trust in the Lord with all thine heart literally means to lean on. Now, say, well, it says at the end of the verse, lean not into thine own understanding. Yes, they are two different Hebrew words. I'm going to give you an example real quick, okay? I have some confidence here. This will be okay. And if it's not, we'll see what happens. So when it says to trust in the Lord, it means to lean completely on with all your weight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm trusting that this pulpit's going to hold my weight. I'm a little bit more confident today of this than I was about a year and a half ago. But I'll tell you right now, this is what the Bible says, we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Now, when it says, and don't fall, Brian, and it says to lean not into your own understanding, like using a cane for a little support is what the word lean on your understanding means. So when it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, it means that you could put everything on him. Do you think that this cane could hold every bit of Brian? I don't, I don't, I don't trust it. I trust the pulpit because that's solid wood and we don't have that many termites in here, I don't think. This thing, I think, is it metal? It's thin metal. 
but this is just meant to be a little bit of support. The Bible makes it clear that we are to lean on the Lord. We are to trust him with everything. And not to lean on ourselves for a little bit of support. It's supposed to be all on him. Lean on the Lord. That's what it's talking about right here. Lean on God. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 25, the end of the verse, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. That's why, Christian, that's why it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because you can lean on God and he, he's not budging, he's not going anywhere. You can put all your weight on him and nothing's going to happen. But you start leaning on man that can't even help keep himself up at times, it's not going to work out very well. We're told to lean on the Lord and then to trust the Lord with all our heart. Do you realize what the word all means? Did you know in Hebrew that means this, it means all? It means each, every, everything, the entire whole. You notice that in these two verses, verse 5 and 6, the personal pronoun thine or thy is used four times. And the word heart. And it says, and lean not to thine own understanding. And so the Lord gives us full support. Our own understanding gives you a little bit of support, but not very much. Don't trust it. Trust him. So you lean on the Lord. Then, number two, you learn from the Lord. In all thy ways. It's a, all thy ways is a command, and it means in everything you do, in every detail of your life. In all your ways, acknowledge. It carries the idea of an intimate communication used to describe the marriage relationship. So basically, in all the, in everything you do, make sure you know God well. It's that knowing him that comes from a personal experience, from studying his word, from abiding in him. And then what will he do? We lean on him, we learn from him, and then he will lead us. My responsibility is to lean on him and to learn from him. And the rest of verse, sec, verse 6 says, He shall direct thy path. The word shall denotes intensity. God is committed to pulling out all the stops and to help us. Bible tells us, Proverbs 16, verse number 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and guess what's going to happen? Your thoughts are going to be established. So Christian, what we got to do in this life is we got to put everything and we got to lean. We got to trust him with everything. Don't try and do it on your own. Lean on him. Learn from him. Acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean on him. And guess what will happen? He'll get you where you need to go. You know, he got the children of Israel where they need to go. <laughs> Took them 40 years, but he got them there. He got them there. And he'll get you where you need to go. But this, that's where those questions come into play. What does the Bible say? Have I bathed it in prayer? All these different things. Because we need to trust God. We need to lean on him. We need to learn from him. And not trust ourselves and what we think. And he'll direct our path.